now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, thanks for joining. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectac. If you are in the market for a home, thinking of buying or thinking of selling, and if you need an opinion from experts in the areas of insurance, mortgages, or building inspection, these are great people to chat with. Denise, Carrie, and Carrie can be found on our page on the CFAX 1070 website. Just look under Shows. You'll find us, The Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe. Their contact information is all there. Or you can always find me online on social media or anywhere else online. I'd be happy to introduce you. My background, of course, is as a local realtor here. I was born and raised in Greater Victoria. I've never left. I've been helping people buy or sell homes for 27 years now. I've seen over 2,000 transactions locally. So I've seen pretty well every situation you can imagine. If you need professional advice for your real estate needs, give me a call or contact me either through the CFAX website or visit my own website, which is www primeteam.ca. That's our team, the prime real estate team here in Greater Victoria. Today we're talking about building inspections. Everyone knows that it's a wise idea to get a property inspected before buying it. After all, we do inspect our cars and boats before we buy them. Why not your biggest purchase? We'll be talking about residential inspections, how long they take, how to choose the right inspector, what happens, uh, if an inspection doesn't pass. Uh, and also we'll be talking about things like humidity in your home because it's a seasonal conversation. Our guest today, of course, is the expert in building inspection, Carrie Smith from Inspectac. But we'll start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline. The number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or again, find us on the CFAX 1070 website. We had a call this week from Lynn. Lynn uh, has a daughter in Nanaimo. She'd like to buy her first home. Lynn is wondering how a parent can help their grown child without putting money at risk. Thanks for your question, Lynn. Um, there's a couple of options for you. So I know you said without putting money at risk. The, the first one that seems most common is providing a down payment for your daughter uh, in the form of a gift. And the reason why I say that, and of course um, our mortgage expert, Denise Webster, would uh, also articulate this as well, um, parents give money as down payment uh, help for their kids. It's good for the banks because, of course, for the bank it means that there's more down payment money there. Uh, it is a security for them. Uh, the key word there is gift because it can't be loaned money. So if a parent or even somebody who's not related to the individual provides down payment money and has an expectation of repayment, uh, either through monthly payments or through uh, any sort of repayment scheme, then that really affects the borrower's application because it will affect their debt service ratio and a number of other things as well. So uh, gifts are common. Uh, what some parents do do is they take equity out of their homes because, of course, over the course of the past few years, values have gone up quite a bit. And what a parent can do is take money out uh, of their home to provide their child for a down payment. Now, it will mean that there will be a payment there. Presumably, uh, the parent would take care of that because, again, it would affect the child's debt service ratio if the child is making those payments. 
Um, but, you know, I, I've seen many parents take on the position of, you know, it's nicer to be able to gift this money to our child now uh, as opposed to after we're gone, because at least not only can they enjoy their home sooner, but we can actually see them and watch them enjoy their home uh, be- before we pass away, for instance. Uh, there's another option for those who are 55 and over. Perhaps you've listened to our episode about reverse mortgages. Uh, if you have a clear title home and uh, have no debt on it, you could do a reverse mortgage. Um, and that is uh, through a charter bank in Canada here. And the, the difference between a reverse mortgage and taking out a line of credit or a mortgage against your house is that there are no payments. So it, doesn't, it does not affect your uh, debt service, your debt service ratio, uh, and consequently your child's debt service ratio either. Um, something that you'll want to look into. And if you have any questions on that, again, contact either Denise, our show sponsor, or myself. I'd be happy to uh, connect you uh, there. Um, secondarily here, Lynn, another option for you would be to co-sign uh, a mortgage for your child. So, uh, again, presumably the, uh, your daughter has the down payment, minimum down payment in order to buy something. Uh, if she can't qualify on her own right now, then a parent can co-sign for them, and that helps out with the application process. Uh, the co-signer, again, provides extra security uh, to the lender, letting them know that uh, the chance of default is, is lower. Uh, be aware, though, that this will affect your. Um, this will affect you, because of the fact that when you are a co-signer and your name and everything is on the bank documents, if you go yourself and apply for some other kind of loan, like a car loan, for instance, or some other uh, some other kind of loan, it will affect your debt service ratio. So uh, that is certainly something to consider. Um, in any event, whether it's a co-signature or whether it's gifting money, it's always a good idea to have a really strong agreement in place that outlines exactly what all the expectations are with this money between yourself and your uh, grown child. Uh, and the reason for that is you don't want to get to the point where, um, and I've seen this with some other people, unfortunately, where a parent has helped out a, um, uh, a child and the, the money, the debt, uh, ends up being a really sensitive point in their relationship. And that is just not a good thing at all. So you can get these drawn up, by the way, uh, from your lawyer. So there are agreements uh, between parties. Uh, if it is a gift, you know, um, if, if it is a co-signature, for instance, and uh, there is a spouse involved, then you want to make sure that your child is protected uh, in the event that that relationship does not uh, um, uh, last. Because that's another thing that we see too sometimes. Sometimes a parent will help out a child, and then uh, a separation occurs in the house, and then all of a sudden uh, the house ends up being a, uh, a very serious part of the separation agreement, uh, and it could put your... Uh, if you provided down payment money or, uh, again, your co-signature, uh, at risk. So many, many things to consider. Thank you very much for, for calling, though, Lynn. And as to everyone else, if you have a question uh, or how about this? Let us know. What's your biggest concern or regret in real estate? I'd like to hear some stories 
about what you've experienced, not only here in the Victoria real estate market, but anywhere as well. I would love to hear what you, the listener, has experienced and possibly answer any questions or give you solutions as to situations. You can always call our hotline number. Again, it's 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or you can always email me direct. It's tony at primeteam.ca. So we're here talking about building inspections, and uh, our show sponsor, Carrie Smith, is in the studio. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Tony. Carrie, you were saying earlier, you are just amazed by the power of radio. You're getting a lot of calls from our listeners here, right? It's totally overwhelming. I had, I'm just completely gobsmacked by the the um, degree of of, uh, of, of support here uh, for the for the uh, radio station it's just amazing yeah well you know I I get this every day as you probably do as well too people say hey I heard your episode over the weekend and you know it's great having uh, uh, experienced professionals like yourself that are able to provide tips it's amazing yeah so today we're gonna have you for the entire episode and we're going to talk about a number of things. We're going to start off our conversation after taking a break in a moment here. We're going to talk about humidity in homes because that is a, it's a seasonal issue. And it's something that uh, really is problematic uh, in a home. And, you know, perhaps we'll talk a little bit about a hot topic right now, which is grow ops in town. Because, because in British Columbia, of course, in Canada, cannabis is legal. And this is a question that's come up a lot recently. Uh, But, Carrie, thanks for joining us, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll have this conversation with Carrie Smith from Inspectac. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about building inspections today. And in the studio, we we have with us our show sponsor, Carrie Smith. Carrie is with Inspectac. Carrie, thanks for coming in the studio. Hello again, Tony. It's my pleasure. All right. The listeners uh, who have been who have been following our show week by week already know you because you've been here for some time. Uh, your background, though, you are a you're a third generation contractor. Yeah, third third generation Victoria builder. My uh, grandparents moved to Victoria in 1902. Yeah. And Grandpa was a plumber who worked his whole life for the municipality of Saanich and built houses on the side. And then my dad was born in 1917. He grew up and became a builder. I followed in the family curse and uh, became a builder and uh, build houses, condominiums. And, and you've said before, you drive down streets in Greater Victoria, you see buildings that oh, you yeah. yourself pounded uh, nails in. Oh, yeah, 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 all over the place. It's uh, It warms the... Uh, <laughs> The cockles of my carpenter's heart, you bet. Okay. Now, you transitioned into building inspection. What year was that? Uh, 1992. Okay. So, so, this, so yeah. this is now our 26th year, just beginning. And um, uh, being a quarter century of uh, service to the community, and, and uh, it's just it's a great career. I would encourage anyone who has um, an analytical mind, who likes puzzles, who enjoys working with people, and really wants to be involved in their profession in a, in a way that just really assists people with something important. I go home from work every night, and I just uh, I just feel like I'm walking on air because I've helped people in a big way. And you've helped a lot of people because uh, you had said to me some time ago that you're somewhere around, you're almost 20,000 inspections in town, right? Yeah, we're just uh, just approaching the 20,000th inspection for Inspectech. That's a lot of inspections. It's a lot of inspections. Yeah, because you probably do, you do like three a day or four a day? Three or four a day, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of days. It, it is, and yeah. uh, it's intense. And, okay. And that's probably 
it's not really a negative, but it's it's one of the things that it's it's very fatiguing because inspectors can't make a mistake. Yeah. Um, if I miss a bug wing or a stain because there's a piece of furniture in the way or um, it's just you're just on high alert because I don't want to let these people down. I want to make sure that if there's anything serious with this house, I've got to discover it. I've got three hours to do it. And I've got to have it all figured out by the time the uh, the buyers come for their debrief. Well, this this is, in most almost all cases, somebody's biggest investment. Oh yeah, of course, family home, absolutely. And and we have had situations or circumstances before where um, people go, oh, my dad will, do, my dad's, you know, not a carpenter, he's not a tradesperson, but he's and you know, he's really well experienced. So we're gonna get my dad to do it. So I'll save the whatever it is, five hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I have to say, from my experience, all of those cases have gone bad. Mm-hmm. They've gone bad because dad isn't used to going through eighteen thousand houses. He's not used to knowing what to look for. Well, sure. You know how um, everyone has a cousin or a brother or a friend who's a carpenter or an electrician, or they're handy, or this phrase that I like: they they know construction. Yeah. It's kind of like knowing neurosurgery. Okay. Yeah. So not really an apt uh, phrase, and but there's a level of comfort and familiarity and trust. Uh, and that's, you know, all, that's how the human race has been getting along since the beginning of time. We, we take care of each other and we, we pull together. Um, and in something so important, so personal, it's, it's, uh, it's the most normal thing in the world to feel apprehensive and think, gee, you know, I, I, I need some help with this thing. I, uh, I don't know the difference between a, a circuit breaker and a bale of hay, uh, but Uncle Joe does. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's... And then Uncle Joe wants to help because he's Uncle Joe. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. And on the surface, it's all like so many things. <laughs> the, the, uh, it sounds great on the surface, but um, famous last words. Yeah. And, and there's a few things that people should, should be thinking about when they um, accept or request such a favor from a friend or a family member is you are putting a heck of a lot of liability on that person. Yeah. And how many inspections have they done? Do they have the instruments and specialized tools? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Uncle Joe might be a wonderful electrician, but what does, he, about plumbing? what does he know about plumbing? Yeah. What does he know about hazardous materials? Another fellow might be a, just a, you know, a kick-ass carpenter, yeah. but what does that person know about mold, yeah. roofing, yeah. and humidity and these kind of things? And so a, a skilled, experienced inspector, inspector has the the his the background the experience the the certificates and the training mm-hmm. to be able to tackle this in a professional manner and if houses were you know five thousand dollars like they used to be in 1940 maybe it's a little <laughs> you can gamble a bit but uh, it's you know it's a game for all the marbles but typically when people buy a house they spend all the money they have okay. and all the money they can borrow yeah and you just can't afford to have a mistake. Okay. So um, a, a skilled um, a building inspector will have the tools um, in, in his toolbox and in his experience. So, you necessary. know, you brought up a second ago roofing, and there's another one too. I mean, we, we had one. I think I brought this story up before uh, to our listeners, but we had um, a dad who did a building inspection for their kids, mm-hmm. and he missed a whole section of the roof. Right. Because uh, it was a high peak, uh, I drive by the house all the time. It's in, in the commotion area. It's a high peak roof, but there was also an addition with a flat spot, and he missed that. It was problematic. Uh, I think they had really, really bad Christmas dinners after that because you know whatever son-in-law wasn't talking to the dad. But the point here is, 
the roof is an area that people like me should not be getting up on. Well, no. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, most people don't bounce that well. No. A- and um, it's it's dangerous, man. The WorkSafe BC has very rigid rules about safety procedures for anyone going on a roof, yeah. particularly like the one you're mentioning with a steep pitch. And, um, you know, I, I've got a, fortunately, uh, I have a WorkSafe umbrella. And whenever I grow up on a roof, I make sure I've got my umbrella in case. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's a bad idea. But the thing is, you're insured. You've got coverage. Yes, and right? and my heirs and assigns, I'm sure, will enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But but that, that, again, is another reason why it's important to have uh, an insur- a, uh, a building inspector. Uh, now, let's talk about um, y- uh, your memberships and associations, because <clears throat> you must be part of a professional association. Right. Yeah. It's up until about six or seven years ago. It was. Um, it wasn't mandatory. It wasn't compulsory for an inspector. True. So anybody could just show up and say, "I'm a building inspector." Yeah. It yeah. was what's called an unregulated industry, and there are a number of them, where anybody that who wants to can go get some business cards printed and do some advertising and call themselves a building inspector, and they're not breaking a law. No. Um, uh, and uh, we have our association whose mem- membership in which was um, optional, has had lobbied the B.C. government for uh, over 10 years to try and affect mandatory certification for, uh, for real estate building inspectors because the public trust depends so heavily on the skill and competence of these uh, people. And it's just such an oversight to, that anyone, any, you know, any cowboy from, uh, <clears throat> from wherever can call themselves a building inspector and... Uh, and hood, hoodwinked the, couplet, the uh, public. Well, and do and you have a errors and emissions uh, insurance coverage as well? Well, yes. A, a malpractice uh, uh, insurance, as it were. Yep, absolutely. And um, our association, the Home Inspector Association of BC, um, it's self-funded. <clears throat> we are covered for $1 million. And if we make a, a serious mistake in an inspection, uh, we're backed up by insurance. And, and, of course, any profession or business operator who has a sense of public service and customer care, you know, they like to stand behind their product. They like to stand behind their service, and we're no different. I like to think that we stand behind our inspections, and um, it, they're, they're pretty big shoes, shoes to full, fill when you're a building inspector because you you can't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. I tell our there's guys... There's a lot of risk. Yeah, there's a lot of risk, a lot of liability. I tell our guys and our, our clients, building inspectors and brain surgeons aren't allowed to have a bad day at the office. No. You kind of got to bring your A game every game. Yeah. And, you know, who can fill those shoes? We're all human. We're, we're vulnerable. And try as you might, uh, it's, it's going to happen. And in our industry, there is a, uh, a phrase, it's not if you get sued, it's when you get sued. My goodness. Well, listen, hold that thought. I want to continue this after our break. We're going to take a break. We're here with Carrie Smith from Inspectec talking about building inspections. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about building inspections today. But don't forget, our show is brought to you every week in part by our show sponsors, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and our guest in the studio today, Carrie Smith. He's a home inspector from Inspectech. If you need an opinion from experts in the areas of insurance, mortgages, or building inspection, 
Be sure to look these guys up. You can find their contact information on our page on the CFAX 1070 website, The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. Kerry, thanks again for coming. It's my great pleasure. Well, listen, I we had to cut for a break, but just before we did, you brought up the fact that, you know, you're human. We're all human, right? Every once in a while, professionals can miss something. Uh, you know, mistakes can be made. And like you said, a, 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 a brain surgeon or a surgeon of any sort needs to bring their A game in whenever they go to work. Sure, of course. Right. right. So for our listeners, what happens in the case where an inspection happens and something was missed? Well, fortunately, I don't have a lot of experience in this area. Yeah. Well, yeah, so 18,000 inspections. I can ask yeah. you this. In 18,000 inspections, how many times have you been sued? If I... Oh, Never. Okay, well, that's you want to think about that for a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. zero. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty good figures there. Um, but yes. we we do get a complaint. Uh -huh. uh, not often. Usually, well, usually once every couple of years, uh, we'll get a call or an email from someone. It's a who's numbers going to game home. with a business, right? Well, sure. If you do yeah. enough inspections, eventually somebody, something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, half the time, it's actually something that we did spot but the people didn't quite understand the severity or didn't bother reading the report and weren't aware. And, and of course, I've done so many inspections. When someone phones me up out of the blue and says, you know, we bought the pink house on that street off of Wilkinson, you know. You know the house. Or you don't know the house because you no, do so many. I, I have yeah. to look it up and okay. I look up our report and I yeah. listen to them. And, yeah. and um, anytime there's a call like that, and fortunately they're few and far between, but that becomes the most important thing that I'm doing that day because it just really shakes me to my core, the idea that I might have let someone down mm -hmm. when they were depending upon me to make sure that they're moving forward, knowing what to expect of the house. And, of course, there's no such thing as a perfect building. There's always going to be something. Usually not an issue that's a big deal or a huge expense, but um, absolutely there will be at least 10 things in every inspection that we do that when we discover them and discuss them with potential purchasers, they're saying, wow, I'm so happy to know about this now, mm -hmm. rather than have it blow up as a surprise in six months. You know, it could be something like an aging hot water tank that's getting rusty. And uh, now they know either to watch it or to replace it. Because um, the whole point of the inspection is that the consumer enters into the transaction fully informed. Mm -hmm. yeah, so they know the what they're expecting. Yeah. 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 Our baseline is I want to take the surprises out mm -hmm. so that when something comes up, the roof needs to be replaced in a couple of years or, like I say, hot water tank or all the different kinds of issues that uh, buildings can have, that they've got a heads up so that when it happens, it's not a, oh, my God, meltdown, what am I going to do? It's, oh, yeah, Carrie said something about that. That's I was right. expecting yeah, that. I was expecting it so they can budget and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, however, um, we most inspections take about three hours. We start out outside. We do, the, of course, the doors and windows and wall cladding and go up on the roof and uh, look at drainage, of course, and uh, also kind of geographical influences. Some houses are up high on a rocky hill. <clears throat> Some houses are low-lying, you know, James Bay and Fairfield, not much above sea level, and, um, you know, scope up the building, and then we head inside and start doing the major installations, the heating system, plumbing, electrical, and we have no... Um, advance warning of anything. Yeah, because usually it's the first time you've seen the house. Yeah, it's, uh, it's almost always. It's an unknown quantity, yep. and we don't know if this place is a nightmare or a work of art, yep. uh, but it's our job to, to find and out. And you, you also, actually, listeners might want to know this, you also don't get a heads up from the owner. So it's not like mm -hmm. the owner has a chance to talk to you. That would be a conflict anyways, because the owner is trying to sell the house. 
Yeah, right? we, and you're hired by the buyer, so you want to make sure that you're going in with unbiased eyes, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, oftentimes, um, we'll show up at a house, and perhaps the, the sellers or owners will be there, and they've got a handful of documents and receipts and all, all kinds of stuff that they've done to the house. And in, in construction, um, there's a phrase called as-built. Mm-hmm. And when we... In, in a perfect world, on a drafting table, we draw a building or an installation, and um, when it comes time to actually bring that that theoretical model in into an actual building, sometimes we have to make modifications. Changes. Sometimes there isn't room for a four-inch pipe in a two-by-four wall, things like that. Oh. So there's modifications made on the fly, and so those original plans aren't really accurate. For that reason, we'll have something called as-builds that show what was actually installed. Mm-hmm. And so when the seller's there who wants to tell me all about their house, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not interested. I want to see what's, what's there, not what's supposed to be there, what you say is there. Yeah. You can talk directly to the, to the buyer and let them know all the things you've done, but I'm here to, to you know, check and verify. Yeah. And, so, and plus, it, it gobbles up half an hour of my time. Yeah. So I want to get down to business and get into the nuts and bolts of this house. And, uh, and actually, this is something else, too. You and I had this conversation before. Um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, because every once in a while we'll have buyers that say, I want to have a building. Oh, by the way, this is jurisdictional. So I've seen other, um, like in Montreal, for instance, I was chatting with uh, one of my contacts there. It is common where a buyer wants to be present during the entire inspection. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked about this before. That is not really practical. Let's tell the listeners why. Well, it's... It's just personal preference. Some, uh, it's kind of the American model. That's how building inspection, real estate building inspection started in the 70s where um, a home purchaser would hire an inspector and they'd wander through the house together and look at stuff and talk about it. There'd be no written report. Uh, and um, they would get, you know, an educational tour of the building. But it's kind of got a fundamental flaw. How can that inspector pay 100% focus on the house and at the same time, carry on a conversation with someone who's beside them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for me, it's it's very distracting. And uh, I prefer to do my inspection on my own. And a lot of inspectors in Victoria do, I, I would say, most if not all of them. Yeah. Uh, where I go through the building, I can concentrate. I'm not being distracted because I'm looking at the electrical panel. And my home purchaser will ask me questions. Well, gee, I, you know, what about that roof? And uh, I saw a crack in the driveway, and I, and I would say, well, let's just get with that. Could end up first. being that could end up being like an all day, oh yeah, like a nine hour marathon. Right? It takes forever, and it, it's just a weight that tends to push quality down yeah. rather than push quality up. And so, um, I mean, if they want to be there, the building inspection is absolutely a great opportunity to wander around the house and get the feel of the place and measure and that kind of thing. By the way, as long as the seller and the listing agent agree. That's well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's private property. That's yeah. another thing. This is someone's home. Yes. Um, for us in the profession, it's easy to, you know, not get jaded, but just to lose sensitivity for how personal and private this is to the people who have lived there for however many years. Mm-hmm. This is their inner sanctum. Yeah. And uh, we can never be reminded to consider that as we do our jobs yeah. in someone's home. And, and uh, one of the things we do is I, I like to leave a little handwritten card because oftentimes the owners aren't home, and it's best if they aren't. Yeah. Um, and so they, But they will come home at the end of the day, and they'll be able to feel that some strangers, they'll know, of course, but they'll sense it. It's just you can, it's in the ozone. Somebody's been in my house, and they don't know me from a bale of hay. 
Um, so I like to leave a little handwritten note, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, great pleasure looking through your home today, <clears throat> and just a nice little kind of a social thing, and my name and phone number and my business card, of course, and uh, so that they can feel, yeah, I, you know, this, there's the, there was this presence here, but now I've got this nice, gracious note, and um, mm. it just gives them the sense I, that... I, I, I think this is an important reminder to people because, you know, we, we as real estate professionals, we help people who are buying, you know, who commission an uh, inspection like you. Yep. And we also help sellers, too. And it's a reminder that this is often a stressful time for a seller, too, because they've opened their house to somebody they don't even know. Yep. You weren't hired by the seller. You were hired by the buyer. And um, they're letting this person go through a house for three hours. It's, it's important to be, to be considerate. Uh, and I'm talking to people who are buying right now, right? Uh, we, I had a buyer just a little while ago who wanted to be at the house all the time. Sure. You know, I want to go back. I want to go back. And, you know, we're here to help. But the thing is, the, the, the seller has sold. And, you know, they're, they're moving on to the next thing. They've got other things to consider. So, you know, things, yeah, things rest. Consideration is always uh, well advised. <clears throat> yeah. uh, one other point, then. I know you have a lot of realtors who listen to your program. Um, the people of Victoria might not realize how well you're respected in your profession. <laughs> Thanks, I know. Here's Tony blushing. You can't see it, but he's <laughs> he's turning red. But it's absolutely a fact. He's been so long serving to the real estate uh, community in Victoria, and he's so well respected as a member of that group. He's not really old enough to be an elder statesman, but <laughs> absent the advanced years, he's uh, certainly considered like that. And um, because a lot of realtors listen to this program, I, I would like to let them know it's absolutely best, best, best if the sellers are not home when the inspection occurs. Yeah. For And they should take their pets away too. Yeah. Um, it's really stressful for pets. Yeah. The, the homeowners aren't home because they shouldn't be. And here's some stranger in the house and the dog doesn't know which ends up. It's so anxious, so anxiety causing for, for house pets. Uh, if they can take the pets away as well, it's, uh, it just makes things go better. Well, that's great. Well, we're here with Kerry Smith from Inspect Tech. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking more about building inspections. Back in a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're here talking with Kerry Smith, building inspector from Inspect Tech. Kerry, uh, just before the break, you were reminding realtors, because a lot of realtors do listen to the show. I know. They, they do tell me that. And um, you were reminding them that, it's, that it is ideal to make sure that the seller is not in the house mm -hmm. when the building inspections happen, and of course, removing the pets as well. For, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is it removes the possibility of the seller inadvertently, unconsciously influencing um, the inspection because there's a, a fellow in their house, an inspector, they feel the, the obligation to host the inspector. Mm. And it's just a distraction. And then also, here's some guy, you know, climbing up in the attic and opening doors and turning lights on and off. And it's, it's actually quite, it's disquieting. It's just an odd, odd thing. And it just makes people feel uncomfortable. And um, they won't have that experience of discomfort if they're just gone. Yeah. And then the inspector can do their work in, you know, calm, quiet um, Yeah, conditions. and another reminder about the fact that you, you have a very efficient process, as most oh, yeah. building inspectors do, but you do, where you are in the house for whatever it is, three hours, depending on the size of the house, and you do your entire process, and then you meet with the buyer mm -hmm. and go through your findings. Yeah. You, for, uh, for one, do a walkthrough on your computer screen, 
Uh, and what I think is really cool, actually, is you, you've got a van. So the listeners might know your van. It's the Inspectec van. Uh, what's in the back of the van? Well, we have a mobile office in all our Inspectec vans yep. and uh, actually a, a secretary. So when I'm going through the building, I have a little microphone and a walkie-talkie, and my secretary has the same in the back of the van. So she prepares the written report simultaneously as I'm doing the inspection. And, of course, if I was writing my own report, I would say, you know, there's a crack in the wall and um, in the bedroom and it should be fixed. But she has the, um, the luxury of being able to spend more time with the actual technique. She'll say, you know, a crack, diagonal crack, approximately 30 centimeters in the northwest corner. Yeah. There's a moisture stain that looks to be old and dry. And so it makes the report much, much more detailed. I do appreciate that about your report because there are a lot of uh, inspection reports that I have seen, which are your basic template. It's yeah. the, you know, roof One. condition, A, B, C, you know, yeah. things like that. Yours is actually, a, it's written like an essay. So you, yeah. you write it like a story. Yeah, we do an engineer-style anecdotal report. It's uh, very involved, very detailed, yeah. and it's written in English. Yes. Um, there's a million Plain different... Plain English. Yeah, 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 because people, you know, it's only as good as, as its effect, and people need to get the information out of this document. And if it's all symbols and graphs and tables... Yeah. You know, it's, they're very difficult to make sense out of. If it's just a tick box, like you said, the roof is good, bad, yeah. fair. Um, it doesn't really convey, because the, the, the people who are buying the house want to take this report and use it to guide them in what they need well, to do. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I remember this one report that we saw years ago. The inspector rated everything satisfactory. <laughs> And there was no, there was nothing to the to the report, and yeah. and I and uh, my uh, my team and I looked at this and said, this says nothing. Yeah. You know, uh, somebody has just spent four or five hundred dollars on an inspection, and we're not any further ahead right now than you know when we walked in the door. What did we learn? Yeah. Pretty so, much. So so you do your inspection, do your walk uh, through with your buyer, mm -hmm. uh, and then your inspection report is ready for them right there and then. Oh yeah, yeah. They leave the they house printed, with the report. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's printed in your van. Mm -hmm. They don't need to 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 wait for it. So there's that versus if a buyer was shadowing you the entire time. It could be like a, like I said, a nine-hour process, and that's asking a lot for a homeowner, for the seller, to oh, be yeah. out of the house for nine hours. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, because they start feeling like you know people are trespassing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's um, it's there's a lot of sensitivities that we have to be considerate of. Yeah, um, in, in these things, and um, you know, it's uh, it's a well-established path, and we know what we're doing, and we. We try to do the best we can. All right. Well, you know, there's a topic that I want to cover in our remaining time here right now. Uh, and you brought it up when we had a conversation a little while ago. Humidity in a home. Yeah. It's a, it's a t this time of year, it's getting a little cooler outside. Jack Frost, that kind of thing. Condensation, sweating windows. And um, in the wintertime, we tend to keep the house sealed up. But the moisture-producing activities carry on just like any other time of year. And um, to, to convey the idea, I, I'd like your listeners to imagine a house just as a simple box. In your mind, you can imagine a couple of windows and doors. And inside the box, there might be someone operating a shower. In another area of the box, maybe somebody's cooking, producing moisture. Maybe someone's doing laundry and, um, of course, washing dishes. These are, and, uh, these are the main things that produce uh, moisture inside buildings. House pets, dogs particularly, mm -hmm. they don't sweat. They they respirate, so they discharge. As do we, though, too, right? And, and people do. too. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And uh, children are considered to be a, by CMHC to be a source of moisture within buildings. So the cumulative effect, day after day, of these moisture-producing activities, builds up humidity in the building. 
to the point where it starts to condense against anything cold. And um, that can be a problem. So everyone knows, well, you should run the kitchen range hood fan when you're cooking to get the steam out, and you should run the bathroom fan when you're cooking to get the steam out. And, and that's a good thing to do, absolutely. Yep. But it's not to be confused with an effective method of reducing humidity in the house. It'll get the steam out while it's being produced, but it doesn't really have much effect on reducing the ongoing humidity inside a building, which is really the problem, mm-hmm. that moisture, moist air that condenses against windows. Um, so, and the thing to understand is those fans can't take any steam or air out of the house unless air is coming in somewhere else. Yeah. And we all know, of course, around cracks and windows and weather stripping and doors and just spaces in buildings, moisture or rather air from outside passively finds its way into the house. If there was no air coming in, the fan would spin, but it wouldn't ex- actually exhaust any air. Yeah, the airlock, yeah. Yeah. So um, we operate these fans. But the thing to remember is that air that's coming in, particularly in Victoria, we don't live in a desert. Yeah. The air outside is is pretty damp. Yeah. So maybe the air in the house is 50 or 60% humidity, but the air that's replacing it from the outside is still going to be 45. Mm -hmm. And so the net effect of humidity reduction is negligible. Uh, Secondly, the air that we're exhausting, we've already paid to heat. And and that's costly. Uh, And it's kind of silly. Heat up the air in the house. Turn a fan on, send it outside, bring some cold air in, heat that up, send it outside. Uh, it makes the, the gas meter and the electric meter go around and around a lot faster. Um, so what we like to in, encourage people to do is to consider a, a dehumidifier. Mm-hmm. Way more effective than operating the fan. During the moisture-producing activity, Absolutely. Turn the bathroom fan on for 30 to 60 minutes to get the steam out of there. But don't confuse that operation with something that's going to have a significant effect of reducing humidity. A dehumidifier, on the other hand, that's all it's there for is to extract the moisture out of the air. And it's amazing how effective a dehumidifier can be. You go to Canadian Tire, they're two, three hundred bucks. Park it somewhere in the house. Sometimes we can move it around from room to room. And people, it's it's just unbelievable how much moisture yeah, it, get out and of it changes the air quality in the house. Oh yeah, yeah, huge, huge. You'll take a liter of water out of the air every day in a house that's wet, yeah. and um, a lot of times people have basement suites, and oftentimes basements have electric baseboard heat, so there's no furnace moving air through the building, and basement suites necessarily are occupied by tenants who can't afford to buy, so they're budget conscious. And people will consider electric baseboard heating as zone control, so they'll turn the heat off in rooms they don't use. Yes. Well, cold and damp, that's what mold wants. Yeah. So turning the, and close the door, yeah. which compounds the error, error. We want the doors to be open. We want the heat to be consistent throughout the building and promote air movement so that we don't get trapped, damped, and condensation. <clears throat> and with the uh, operation of a, of a dehumidifier, we're not losing any of the warm air that we paid to heat. All it and it, it sucks an amazing amount of moisture out of the air, and there's this really really pleasant benefit. The, the thermostats still say 20 degrees, but when the air gets dry, 
it feels so much warmer. Oh. It's amazing how much the comfort of living in that home increases uh, when you get the moisture down where we want it, which is under 45% is good, under 50% for yeah, sure. Yeah, that is so true. Just thinking about yeah. going to other places. Oh, yeah. Right? right? More dry climates and everything. Cold and damp, cold and damp. So uh, I really encourage people uh, this time of year to consider getting a, a dehumidifier. Yeah. Uh, absolutely use the fans. When you're cooking, when you're doing laundry, when you're showering, that kind of stuff. But that's just the the thin end of the, end, uh, edge of the wedge. That's the small uh, part of the pro- of the proposition. Yeah, because you know something that we saw, um, oh, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago or so, was those uh, automatic. Um, they call them dehumidifiers, but you know they just turn the bathroom fan on. Yeah. When humidity hit a certain level. Yeah, it's a humidistat. A humidistat. Thank yeah. you. Um, but you, you know, a point you brought up is important, which is you're removing heat from the house because that yeah. air has already been heated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're wasting money hand over fist, and um, and the comfort that it's it's just surprising. People are just amazed when they how much warmer and more comfortable the home is yeah. when we uh, get a dehumidifier. Well, and it's going. better for the home as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, people talk about sweating windows and aluminum windows. You know, they, well, that's the symptom. Yes. The cause is the elevated humidity. Yes. The glass in a, in a wood window is the same temperature as the glass in an aluminum window or the glass in a vinyl window. Yeah. <clears throat> and the glass makes up 98%, 97% of the window. Yep. So um, switching to vinyl windows, there's a perception that that will reduce this sweating window. But problems. the humidity is still there. The humidity is the same. Yeah. St- they sweat just the same as any other kind of window. The frame won't get the condensation uh, the same as an aluminum one, but the, the it's not addressing the issue. The address the issue is the humidity. Yeah, and and for our listeners, you know, we've seen this. You see this in houses where you know you go visit a friend or something, and it's the winter time. You look at their aluminum windows, and they're not only sweating. But there's also often a mildew around oh, yeah. the the frames as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, and that is, like you said, it's a function of humidity that's in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the case. Yeah, and and what most people do, I think, is they turn up the the, the heat, just to try to uh, um, uh, try to burn it off, as it were, right? Well, yeah, warmer is better, yeah. of course. Um, the the study of mold is called mycology, and uh, the mycologists, this is actually their words, they say mold will thrive. If it's not too wet and not too dry, not too warm and not too cold, optimum conditions for mold to to uh, start to develop. Mm. And it's 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 difficult to get a mold culture going, relatively speaking. But once it's established, it's really easy to keep it going. Yeah. And uh, it wants uh, it wants moisture. So the dehumidifier, once it dries out, the mold can't thrive. Yeah. If it's too dry, it can't live. So Great it'll just go tip away. of the day. Well, Kerry, thanks for coming. If people need to reach you, what's the best way to do that? 250-920-8324. That spells That's out 920-920-TECH. Yep. And, of course, on the web, um, inspectors at Victoria, B.C. Inspectors at Victoria, uh, sorry again? Dot com. Dot com. Okay. <laughs> Inspect. Let's do that again. InspectionsVictoriaBC.com. InspectionsVictoriaBC.com. Okay. Thanks again, uh, as always, for coming, Carrie. You are, uh, again, any agent who's listening to our show knows you. You are uh, really well-known here in town. You've done over 18,000 inspections. And to our listeners, if you are looking for somebody um, to give you, you may not even be buying or selling. If you if you want an inspection done, call Carrie because it's always good to get a good sense of how your house is doing. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Joe. I'll be here for you this time next week.